judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. And before him no creature is hidden, but all are naked and laid bare to the eyes of the one to whom we must render an account. Since then we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our confession. For we do not have a high priest who is unable to sympathize with our weaknesses, but we have one who, in every respect, has been tested as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore approach the throne of grace with boldness, so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. You shall not commit adultery. 
you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness, you shall not be wrong. Honor your father and mother. The man said to him, Teacher, I have kept all these since my youth. Jesus, looking at him, loved him and said, You lack one thing. Go, sell what you own and give the money to the poor and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come, follow me. When the man heard this, he was shocked and went away thinking, for he had many possessions. Then Jesus looked around and said to his disciples, How hard it will be for those who have wealth to enter the kingdom of God. And the disciples were perplexed at these words. But Jesus said to them again, Children, how hard it is to enter the kingdom of God. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of God. They were greatly astounded and said to one another, Then who can be saved? Jesus looked at them and said, For mortals it is impossible, but not for God. For God, all things are possible. Peter began to say to him, Look, we have left everything and followed you. Jesus said, Truly I tell you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or mother or father or children or fields for my sake and for the sake of the good news who will not receive a hundredfold now in this age houses, brothers and sisters, mothers and children and fields with persecutions. And in the age to Christ but many who are first will be last, and the last will be first. The Gospel of the Lord. Thank you. 
compelled a rich man to give everything to the poor in order to come follow him, which has some potential to translate quite well into a stewardship term. Lucky for you and me, I am not a member of the stewardship committee, nor am I a director, and so it is not my job to give a stewardship sermon. And who in their right mind would give a stewardship sermon when not asked to do so anyway? Well, apparently Jesus did, and did. In today's gospel, Jesus gave the kind of stewardship sermon that would get him chased out of the modern-day pulpit, the kind of stewardship sermon that would, and did, make people pretty grumpy, cynical, and exasperated. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle, he said, than for someone who is rich to enter the kingdom of What? You lack one thing, he told the young rich man. Go sell what you own and give the money to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Then come and follow me. Really, Jesus? Give away everything in order to follow you? Maybe he was speaking in hyperbole. But still, I think perhaps something very important was happening in that conversation. Something for us to pay attention to. First of all, I think the rich man really wanted to know how to be a disciple. How to be in a relationship with this radical movement of eternal life that Jesus brought. He had already worked pretty hard and was a straight-A student at life. And so Jesus' first answer to him was too easy. Obey the commandments? Check. I've been doing that my whole life. So Jesus took a deeper look at him. It says he looked at him and he loved him. To me, this means he looked at him and he knew him. He knew his heart. He knew his weaknesses. He knew what it was that kept this man from giving himself fully to the love, the love of God that he was asking for, yearning for. Jesus saw that the young man was too attached to his wealth. He had allowed wealth to define him. How often does that same dynamic sneak up on us? Maybe we have worked hard, and it shows by the schools we send our kids to, where we live, the gifts we give, even the charities that count on our generosity. Or perhaps we can't seem to make ends meet, and we are often preoccupied with the notion that we don't have enough. All too often, our identity gets all wrapped up in our financial situation in life. And man, is it hard to admit it when that is happening. Yet I think it is essential that we come face to face with our own identities around money and status, even around relationship and vocation. In order to where those identities might be holding us back from going all in with God. I don't mean to say that our identities are bad, nor do I think Jesus was criticizing identity. Our identities are good and holy. 
fast and strong. Or a new parent who no longer knows himself to be autonomous, well-rested, and free. One conversation with someone who is undergoing a major change in identity will tell you that there can be existential strain, grief, and disorientation in making such a shift. Did you hear the grief, disorientation, and anguish in the reading this morning from Job and in the Psalms? We will inevitably suffer, and these readings give words to the depth of that suffering. Shedding our identities or changing our identities is suffering. It would be crazy to do that on purpose. It would take unbelievable strength to make that kind of leap of faith. When the rich man walked away from Jesus in sorrow, I think it was because he didn't think he could be as strong as Jesus was asking him to be. And he didn't want to suffer. If wealth had become a major identifying factor for him, then Jesus was asking him to give up a piece of who he thought he was. It can be nearly impossible to give up a major part of who we perceive ourselves to be. Especially when the identity that one is being asked to give up is very comfortable. So why did Jesus ask the rich man to do something that he didn't seem to be asking everybody else to do? Something he didn't even ask the young man to do during the first time that the young man inquired about what he could do to inherit eternal life. I think Jesus looked at that young man and he loved him and he asked him to do something that he knew the man actually could do. Something that would free that man from an identity that had such a grip on him it actually held him back. And I wonder where Jesus might be looking at us and seeing in us an attachment to some part of our identity, individually or as a community, or our possessions, or our life as we know it, some attachment that we have developed a desperate arm, an attachment that holds us back. I wonder, as Jesus looks at us and loves us, what he might be asking. When we hear him invite us to follow him, I wonder if we will turn away in sorrow as that young man did, or if we will give ourselves a wild abandon to him, to his love, and to the only identity that truly matters, our identity as beloved children of God who were put on this earth to love and to be loved, to serve and to be served, to share and to partake, to give and to receive, and to know ourselves through the eyes of a Jesus who looks at us and loves us. Amen.
in our diocesan cycle of prayer, we pray for the ministries of Church of Good Shepherd Newton, Emmanuel Church Wakefield, Parish of the Epiphany Walpole, Congregations, Acolytes, Postulum, and Candidates for Holy Orders. For the peace and unity of the Church of God. We will exalt you, O God, our King. We pray for all who have died, that they may have a place in your eternal kingdom. We pray for the repose of the souls of Patricia Bonstable, sister of Andrew Hobbs, Lucretia Lucky Ryder, sister in law of Kenneth Buttrick, and Jean Ken Lochtefeld, whose service was held here yesterday.
evening prayer and service in the chapel at 7 o'clock. Hope to see you there. Hello, I'm Judy Mariner, and yesterday I had a wonderful crew help do the garden out between the chapel and the parish house. And I would just like to thank them very much and say that we've done it, so we don't need another work day on the 24th unless you're desperate for something to do. <laughs> April Pruitt, Martha Stone, Brenda and Andrew Hawes, Betsy Higgins, and Lynn Wilbur.
congregation that send you forth their peace, holy gifts, that those 